Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Off the pitch, Marcus Rashford is still leading a campaign to end child hunger. Hundreds of cafes, restaurants and businesses across the country are taking on the challenge themselves to help feed children during the upcoming October half term after the government voted against continuing free school meals into the holidays. He's national hero and on the pitch it was Rashford who came up with a powerful and accurate late strike to give Manchester United a sweet and brilliant victory at the Parc de Prince against Paris Saint-Germain. He almost followed it up with another match winner against Chelsea on Saturday evening but the Londoners new goalkeeper Edouard Mendy came up big with two crucial saves and United were held to a 0-0 draw at Old Trafford it's been a good week overall for United a 4-1 win against Newcastle last Sunday a 2-1 win against PSG and a frustrating 0-0 draw against Chelsea perhaps the latter is a missed chance to carry on some very good momentum that was starting to build but United's season has properly started now welcome to the Manchester United weekly podcast and series 6 episode 7 we're talking PSG Chelsea and looking ahead to RB Leipzig and Arsenal games coming up this week. In the middle of the show, we'll have our youth alone and women's roundup as the under-23s are led once again by recently turned 17, Joe Hugel, who had a great sensational start to his United career. Jack, it's it's been a few days since Paris and we've had another match, uh, the Chelsea game, but I think we're going to start this episode in a, a positive mood by looking back at the, at the Paris game. Um, I mean, Paris, again, Solskjaer's done it twice and this time the, the tactics were spot on, the performance was spot on and United completely deserved to beat last year's Champions League finalists. A really very good performance and a huge result, particularly on a personal note for Solskjaer. What a night. Yeah, again, for United in Paris, twice in 18 months, we've gone there and beaten PSG. And to me, this was far more impressive than the win in Paris 18 months ago. You know, 18 months ago, we got a lot of luck with a couple of dodgy, not dodgy goals, but quite lucky goals, lucky opportunities. You know, one coming from a bad save from Buffon that rebounded. We got a very, I think, dubious penalty at the end to win us the game, but this was fully, fully deserved. It was just a, wasn't a smash and grab at all. This was a team set up perfectly to nullify PSG's threat and to create chances at every opportunity. And we did just that. I think it was the absolute perfect storm of a team Set, set up in the, the exact perfect way 
And the players responded perfectly to that as well. You know, it was the perfect marriage of a manager making decisions to emphasise the team's strengths and try and hide their weaknesses a little bit. And for once, the players responded in the perfect way. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. It was a team that was clearly well thought through and each player was helping another to make up for their weaknesses. And I think we said, it might have even been last week or the week before, we said, this is a team where each player has their weaknesses and none of their teammates are good enough to cover up for them. But finally, Solskjaer found the team which managed that. And it was it was a brave decision. Axel Twanza became straight back in, having not played since December the 19th against Colchester United in the League Cup. And he was one of the standouts. He was absolutely brilliant. For a 22-year-old who's not played for a year, basically, to come in and... Um, prevent Neymar and Kylian Mbappe from doing anything was was incredible and he was helped massively by Aaron Wan-Bissaka who had one of his best performances in United shirt Fred did one of his best De Gea looked very good and Pogba off the bench made a, a really good impact mm-hmm. and of course Rashford with a um, the match winner um, having missed a couple of chances and then came up with that and it was it was every player in that team was seven out of ten at least and then there were a few eight, nine out of tens, no matter what um Lakeep say, who I think I think they gave Fred four out of ten. Um but I think Lakeep are notoriously harsh with their match ratings. Um but yeah, particularly strange that one. But yeah, it, it was a great match. And um I guess I guess that makes it more of a shame that United didn't also carry on that momentum. Um and we'll talk more about the Chelsea game. But there were some really standout players against PSG, and that's a, yeah. a, a massive um benefit to United season, benefit to their confidence. And it, it kind of means United now have, it seems like we have better squad depth now at least. Well, and it means that we go into this really challenging portion of the season on a high, riding a bit of a wave of momentum now. It, obviously the Chelsea game will have dented that slightly, but I, I don't think it's been, I don't think that was a performance that will have quelled any sense of, of forward momentum in United. I think what was really unique about the PSG game was that not only was it a, a good team performance, but I actually can't remember any United game in the last few years where there wasn't a single bad performance. And to be fair, I don't think it happens very often for any club where all 11 players have a good game. And I don't—I honestly don't think there was a single player yeah. in that United team that had a bad game. You can go right through every single player, even the ones that weren't getting headlines, like, <clears throat> like Lindelof. I thought Lindelof did a great job of marshing that back four. Whenever he was called upon, he did well. I think Shaw is actually very well suited to that left centre-back role. He had a great game. Agreed, yeah. Martial didn't obviously was unlucky to score the own goal, but in general, his his play was really good. He looked very much up for the fight. You know, Rashford, yeah. other than the goal, was great. Even Bruno Fernandes, who was maybe not the headline grabber in this game, but still did a lot to create good chances for us throughout the game. There, there wasn't a single player. Even Alex Tellers, I thought, had a great debut as well and looked... Very yeah. exciting. I'm excited to see him play a little bit more. But, you know, this was a game where, as I said, it, it was unique in that almost every single thing worked. It was the perfect marriage of a great setup and the and the players stepping up. And I genuinely think every all 11 players were, as you said, seven or eight out of 10. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're going to move on to Chelsea because it has been a, a few days since the, the, the PSG game. I think everyone's kind of had their reaction to it. But it is... I think for, for Solskjaer personally, and this I guess is the, the last point, um, which I, I briefly mentioned before, but he had a bad start to the season. And I think we saw him make wrong decisions, make poor substitutions, make tactical errors, particularly the, the Spurs 6-1 game. And this was evidence that he can do it and that he can outmaneuver 
uh, the, the the best. Thomas Tuchel's not one of the world's very best managers. He isn't Guardiola, he isn't Klopp, but he manages Paris Saint-Germain. He's a good manager. Neymar and Mbappe are two of the world's best. Um, PSG's midfield is incredible. Di Maria was was quiet for the entire game and Solskjaer managed to kind of nullify their attack yeah. and have United create chance after chance. I mean, Rashford popped up with a an incredible late goal that came out of nothing really. Um, out of Pogba's patience and Rashford's brilliance. But before that, he'd had three big chances to put United in front. Um, so it, it, it kind of was the all-round. And for Solskjaer, I think that, that that's massive. Yeah, exactly. And it wasn't a smash and grab at all. Sure, we yeah. didn't have see that much of the ball, but I I think I can count one clear chance that PSG had all game. Maybe, mm. maybe two. I guess Mbappe forced one great save out of De Gea, where he yeah. got inside from the left. And then there was another where... Wambasaka got in and made a great block, but other than that, PSG never got in behind us at all. And that you know that's where they're so dangerous. Unlike most big teams, who if you give them ninety minutes to to play with the ball in front of you, they're probably going to create some chances. For PSG, especially without Verratti and their team, it's much the the danger yeah. is in their dynamism going forward and getting in behind, which we never allowed them to do. You know there are a couple of occasions. Twanzebe was one on one with Mbappe and did just faced up to him so well. But yeah, the, the amount of chances we created was massive. I think just off the top of my head, you can think of four very good yeah. chances that we had that we we just didn't we didn't take them properly. Navas made a couple of very good saves, a couple of poor decisions from Rashford and Fernandez that I can remember. But you know, in general, this this wasn't at all a, a team that was sitting back and then you know got one or two counter attacks and was hanging on by a thread. This was a team that sure was defending, but was putting their stamp on the game and really going at PSG and we didn't give them a moment yeah. to breathe. It, it, I, I can't say enough about the performance. I really can't. It, it was it's just so good all, all round. It was so, it was a pleasure to watch, honestly. Yeah, it really was. It was, so, yeah, it's it's a satisfaction. And the, I think it's, it's one of those games where, particularly because it's come off so soon after the 6-1, I don't think it's important can be overestimated. It's not got United through to another stage in the Champions League, although obviously it's contributed to that, which, I mean, it's a, it's a big result in the group, which is a, a really difficult group and, and perhaps a result that wasn't expected to happen and that we that's three extra points for us. But the game itself isn't that huge. But the, yeah, the confidence aspect, even as a, as, as a fan, with with the knowledge that we can put that performance in, you go into the next month where we've got big games against Leipzig, Arsenal, Basaksehir, Everton, and you think, yeah, we can we can do that again. Um, so it, it, I mean, I guess if you were a cynic, you'd say it buys time for a, a team that isn't going to do anything this season anyway. And if you were an optimist, you'd say it's a um, it's a sign of what this team can do um, and and what they will hopefully do more consistency more consistently going forward. Um, against Chelsea, it wasn't the same. Different lineup. Um, no Twanzebed, no five at the back. Uh, return to four. Um, which to be fair, I mean, Solskjaer made a great decision in the PhD game when he made those subs and, and to go into a, a brave diamond. I think that's worth just quickly noting, but we've yeah. got on to the Chelsea game. And I think basically the way you sum it up is we were the better team, but didn't do quite enough to win the game. And I think in short, that's that's basically it for an ultimately quite dull game. Yeah, I think you, you could tell from the first what, 15 or 20 minutes, it, it wasn't going to be a, a great yeah. game. There are just some, there are some matches that from, you know, the first short period of the game the intensity just seems to 
just seemed to not not be there. There was a, a game against Liverpool at Old Trafford a couple of years ago that was the same. Ended up in a pretty drab nil nil yeah. draw. I mean, it's it's not the worst result for United at all. It's hard because in most seasons you would say you know you take a draw against Chelsea at home. It's not the end of the world. Yeah. At home, maybe you'd be expecting a bit more, but you know it's not a terrible result. I think it's frustrating because Chelsea were there for the taking. They didn't look exactly yeah. particularly good. You know. I, I don't did they make a single clear cut chance? I don't think they really did. The only the only one I could remember in the, in the game that I would say was a a chance where I would be expecting a goal was Rashford's in the first half where Mendy made a good save. Even yeah. you know the the other saves that we forced out of Mendy were sort of snapshots that were good efforts from Mata and Rashford. Yeah, it was a it was a pretty bad game to watch. Not the end of the world for United and I think you know, off the back of the PSG game, we'll, we'll still be getting a bit, little bit of momentum out of it. But it was frustrating to feel that Chelsea were there for the taking and we had the measure of them defensively in the whole game. We just weren't able to take advantage and create anything of our own. Yeah, that's a big positive. This is a, a Chelsea team that scored 13 goals and they were averaging more than two goals a game scoring. They've got a great forward line, Havertz and Werner are threatening and then you add Pulisic and you bring Ziyech off the bench, you bring Mount off the bench and they they are a threatening uh, team in that regard and United defended really well. Victor Lindelof had one of his very best games in a United shirt. He he both defended yeah, really well and didn't struggle aerially as sometimes he does even when Tammy Abraham came on as a sub but also kind of took the game um, in, in the latter stages when the players in front of him weren't doing much. Suddenly you see Lindelof charging through playing as a right winger and you think that's... Yeah. I mean... It, it, in another world, maybe we would have got punished for that. So I, I guess that again, that's if you're being the cynic, but it, it was great to see. And it, it's the, it's the attitude you want. And he had the the quality. And I think that comes off the back of the PSG game where, as you say, he had a good game. He might not be one of the standouts, um, but he had a good game and, and you build that confidence. And United have conceded two goals in three games, a clean sheet against one of the best attacking outfits in the league. And it's a massive positive for, for, for the defence. And I think Lindelof stood out. And for me, the other two were, were Fred and Bruno. Fred kind of did the same job as he did against PSG, was really good under pressure. Uh, Ongolo Kante is probably one of the best ball winners in Europe. And, and Fred, I think, had 100 touches. And I don't remember him losing possession. He was always calm when Kante was storming down at him. And Bruno, I think one of the, the great things about Bruno, even when he's not making an assist or a goal, is he just relieves the pressure on the defence by being so controlled in his own half. So when he's playing in the, in the opposition half, he'll he'll try those high risk, high reward passes, give the ball away. But when he's in his own half, he very, very, I, I don't remember a time when he's given yeah. away the ball within that United final third or own half. And, and it does just let the defence recover, get in their structure and, and let United build, um, build an attack. I think what's been good about watching Bruno the last few games is that we are still seeing the high risk, high reward stuff, of course. You know, that is who he is and, and it's come off quite a few times. But we've also, I think, seen him get a little bit more consistent I think in his in his general play yeah. it's not quite so much you know the the highest tariff of passes every single time he gets the ball he's keep, keeping things simple a little bit more and I think it's helping us become a little bit more sustained in our in our attacks yeah I thought Fred was very good he was just t- neat and tidy on the ball him and McTominay do really work as a partnership they you know they aren't world beaters by any means but they complement each other very, very well. And especially in big games where we need people, you know, snapping around the heels of the opposition in midfield, 
they they do a really good job of of getting about the pitch and without means just kind of use the trope of you know defensive midfielders just need to be sort of enforcers just stopping the other other teams attacks because that is there's a lot more to their role than that McTominay and Fred play that role so well and they aren't amazing on the yeah. ball but they they're not really a hindrance because they can then now that we have some more creative players in our team like Bruno Fernandes if they are able to just quickly move the ball into players like Bruno Fernandes, maybe like Van der Beek or Rashford or Martial, Pogba, whoever it might be, if they are able to move it into those players quickly, we have enough creativity further up the pitch where they're not a huge hindrance. The issue before Bruno came in was that when Fred and McTominay played, we weren't just relying on them in defence, we were also relying on them to be, you know, the ones actually launching us into attacks and being creative as well, which is not what their, their MO is really. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. They they're the the facilitators of the team. Yeah, yeah. They they allow the defenders to recover and to kind of get into shape before the attack gets to them, um, or they stop the defenders from having to do that work. And they allow Bruno Fernandez to to have that chance to create. I thought it was interesting that um, that Pogba came on as an attacking midfielder against Chelsea, which hasn't happened so much. I guess you could say he, the, the same against PSG, although McTominay eventually came off and I think Pogba dropped a bit deeper then. But it, it's interesting to see how he's being used from the bench. But yeah, McTominay and Fred, I, I think that's one of the best things about the last few weeks because they're, they're not a title-winning midfield partnership, I don't think, even though I think they do their job well. But them being in form changes United's whole squad. It gives a whole new depth to the, to the United team um, because you can now make two full starting 11s that are decent. Because when you think about, I mean, the, the, the bench against Chelsea was ridiculous. It was an incredible seven-a-side team. And people complained about the starting yeah. 11 and I think that, that's reasonably justified. I think playing James was probably the wrong decision. I understood why he played Matt. I understood why he played that team, to be fair. Um, but there, there, were, there were complications to that team, let's say. But... You take the team against Newcastle and Chelsea, De Gea, Wambasaka, Lindelof, Maguire, Shaw, Fred McTominay, Mata, Bruno, James and Rashford. And there's a whole nother team ready to be made of Henderson, Williams, Twan Zibibai and Alex Tellers, Matic and Pogba midfield, Greenwood, Van der Beek, Martial and Cavani. That team's obviously not played together before, but that's, that's not bad. And we didn't do enough in summer but because of McTominay and Fred being given that opportunity and taking it, the whole squad kind of has a different feel to it. Yeah, massively. They're they're so important for giving us that added depth. Without them, you then start looking at those two lineups, you say, and, and the one that we played against Chelsea suddenly looks pretty average. And I think they make such a huge difference yeah. to the way that we are able to play because it gives us the freedom having those two in there who are so good defensively in the big games allows us in those big games to not worry necessarily about having, you know, four of our 11 players be taken up with four great attackers in say Martial, Fernandez, Greenwood and Rashford. In other times, I think without t- such good options in midfield, you then can start worrying that maybe four out and out attacking players is too many. You need a bit more protection in midfield and so McTominay and Fred do just change the balance of the side so much and allow us to have a lot, just a lot more options. Yeah. It's a good point about the depth too. We've, I think that the problem with our depth at the moment, I think is just that it, it, is, it is good and it, it's improving definitely, but it, it's also relying on a number of quite injury prone players, which isn't yeah. necessarily yeah, yeah. the club's fault. It's, it's just unlucky, but the likes of, you know, Twanzebe, Bailly, 
who ideally we should be relying on to be on the bench and come in as cover when they're needed, just can't stay fit. I think if Twanzavi especially can stay fit, that would be huge for us because, again, it, it's such a small sample size from what we've seen of, of Twanzavi, but yeah. everything that he's done in a United shirt has been very, very good. Yeah. And I mean, the, the coaches at United, I think, plan to have Twanzavi last season. I think we've said this before, plan to have him this season. But for the last five years, they've been thinking Axel Twanzibar will be a United first team player I, I, for for years. So I don't think this is a, a necessarily a surprise, no. but yeah, you've just got to hope he, he stays fit. Let's talk about Edison Cavani. Um, first touch of the ball, squeeze the shot <laughs> into just the side Almost netting. Almost a dream start. I know. I, I've, I mean... The PSG game was a heart thumping game throughout. The Chelsea game was was not quite the same. Quite the opposite. But, yeah, quite the opposite. But that was um that was close and would have been would have been brilliant. That was the one moment that made you get out of your seat and actually yeah. get excited about something in the game. Yeah. And I enjoyed watching him. A, I just enjoyed seeing him in the United shirt, maybe more than I kind of thought seeing Cavani, one of the best strikers of the last decade in the United shirt, it's always going to be nice. But also just enjoyed watching a striker with a different different kind of play to Martial and Rashford, someone whose movement is very different, who isn't, who's definitely not an inside forward and is very much a striker who runs across the defender, in front of the defender, or just on the shoulder of the defensive line. It, it was really nice. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think what Cavani offers, I was talking to my roommate about this, he's also a United fan yesterday, I think what he offers is what Igalo offers us, but at a higher quality level, which is exactly what we need. Because we had yeah. seen when Igalo first came in, he he actually did offer us something really unique and nice because we had a striker who could go up there as a, not necessarily a target man, but be a bit more of a focal point of our attack and then allow runners in behind. Whereas Martial and Rashford aren't, that's not really their game. And, and that's okay. That's not a criticism of them. It's just a different type of striker. Yeah, Cavani now offers us that at least the ability to play the same play style as Igalo. I think he's a bit more versatile than Igalo and can be more of a, an in-behind runner than Igalo can. But he offers us the ability to be that focal point in attack, you know, to be a bit more of a poacher type of striker, but just at a, high, a, a higher quality than Igalo. I think you'd trust Cavani much more to, to, you know, be better in attack in terms of his general link-up play. You'd trust him to put away more chances than Igalo. And just physically, he's in sort of a better point in his career he's a bit faster a bit stronger than Egalo so I think he he will offer us something really useful in attack just a different option and you could see that when he came on he, he is his movement is very intelligent in the box you could see from the um the from his first touch with it was a corner that goes short to shore he makes a, a run across the front post when he thinks the corner is coming in first time then when it goes back out to shore and then back to Bruno he sort of makes a, a, a little push off of the defender. And as soon as he does that, again, makes that run across the front. And it, yeah. it's just little things like that that are going to make him a different option and probably, you know, make turn seven out of 10 crosses that Rashford and Martial wouldn't normally get on the end of. You know, they sort of require 10 out of 10 crosses, whereas Cavani will probably make some of those seven out, seven out of 10 crosses into a decent chance because of his movement. Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to watching him be involved. Um, and yeah, it's again... It's a it's a different kind of striker off the bench. And I think even when we've had good bench options over the last few years, they've often been, uh, for example, you think uh, back to Martial and Rashford who are changing 
in that left wing position under Mourinho when we were beating everyone 4-0 and one on, one of them would come on for the other and score basically every time. Yeah. Uh, Ibrahimovic would be up front and I, I can't remember who was on the right. Probably Mata to be fair. They were the same player just coming on for each other basically. Whereas this is, is as you say, it's similar to Egalo. It's very different and, and definitely refreshing. Um, I think it's worth noting that I think fans would have made a big difference um, on Saturday evening. I don't yeah. think that first half would have happened had there been a full stadium. And I think it's worth remembering that as much as Sky and BT would like us to kind of forget that football is different. It it, it definitely is. And I don't think that our first half would have happened with United fans there, Chelsea fans there. And I think the game would have been really different, to be fair. And, and De Gea and Solskjaer both mentioned it after the game. Absolutely. I think this was... Probably, I think the, the the both games this week actually, PSG and Chelsea, were probably the clearest in my mind that I've seen where fans have been sorely missed. I I was quite pleasantly surprised. I think when the Premier League returned, how easy it was to watch football without any fans. It definitely felt weird, but I don't think it was like every minute you were wondering, you know, where where are the fans? It feels so different. I think the PSG game more for the the Rashford moment. You know, just thinking about the, the away end in at the Parc de Prince after that Rashford goal went in, yeah. and then with the Chelsea game, it was it was more constant. I think just the the intensity of the game had, had was just not there from the very start, and I think that was really clear to see. Yeah. And, and with fans there, I'm not sure we would have seen that game just drift exactly yeah. how it did, especially when there was some you know there were some tackles flying in that in another era would have definitely made the fans a lot. Uh, get very intensely into the game and yet it just sort of petered out into a bit of a, a nothing ending really. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think I think the second half, yeah, you would have, the first half, you would have just got the the kind of attack, attack, attack at, at some point and maybe got United going. Um, and then the second half, yeah, you're right, the, those tackles that should kind of in, inspire the game to kick on or even the, maybe a, a missed chance from Rashford, a save from Mendy. Uh, just didn't happen. It was kind of those were an isolated moment and then things returned to normal, which um, I don't think happens with fans. Right, um, that's it for the talk on the Chelsea game. We'd go to a youth alone and women's roundup and then we'll be back to talk about uh, RB Leipzig referred to, uh, I like the reference in a Andy Mitten piece this week, which called them um, energy drink Leipzig. Um, so we'll be talking about that and the Arsenal game after the youth alone and women's roundup. Manchester United's under-23 secured their first win of the league season after an added time penalty against Everton on Friday night. Facundo Palistri made his first appearance for the club while there were impressive performances from Ethan Galbraith, Alvaro Fernandes and Brandon Williams who gained some match fitness. Ellis Sims had put Everton in front on the hour mark. Andre Masny scrambled across his goal to make a great save to keep Sims's first headed effort out but the Everton man tapped home the rebound. Anthony Alanga equalised for United with a smart left-footed finish. Recently turned 17 Joe Hugel has now created the chance and now has three goals and an assist in three Premier League two games um, great start to his life at United Brandon Williams drew a foul in the box in the 94th minute and the referee gave an obvious penalty and it was Ethan Galbraith who impressed throughout the game who finished it off uh, for a dramatic late win and a very important one for United's under 23s at times in the first half Fakunda Polistri was hesitant to take his man on and that confidence will come with more matches um, he improved after the break and and, and showed some really nice touches um, and looks like a, a player who really knows he's got great awareness of what's around him and his movement is, is fun to watch and if he can get that confidence to take his man on um, then he'll be an exciting player to watch 
I know um, Emran inspired United stroll to victory against Derby County under 18s on Saturday afternoon. Multiple debutants won show and Charlie McNeil, the striker recently signed from Man City, scored a brace in his first start for United. Mark Gerardo also made his debut in the game after joining from Barcelona in the summer and Willie Camboala signed from FC Sochaux. Uh, he started and looked very composed in defence. It was Emran though who ran the game. The 18-year-olds uh, waited a long time to get into the groove at United having suffered an injury soon after joining last year but he's now really exciting fans and this was one of his very best performances from Noam Emran United dominated the game from start to finish um, and that dominance was only exaggerated when Derby's Christie scythed down Martin Swiderski in the 20th minute Swiderski um Typical of him, he was chasing the ball, pressing. Um, he's always alive to press the defensive line from midfield and his reading of the game is, is really excellent. He's United's under-18 captain at the moment and is looking very good. United soon took the lead after that through Noam Emran. He then assisted another just after half-time. Uh, Amari Forson scored that one and then Charlie McNeil netted United's third and fourth to mark a very good debut from him. Uh, for United. United's women's didn't play this week. Um, they'll be back in action soon. Right, Jack, another two big games coming up. The Champions League races on uh, in in this. I mean, it's a, the same format, just condensed into a short amount of time. And it, it is energy drink Leipzig on, I think it's Wednesday night, isn't it? And it's it's another difficult, difficult challenge. Leipzig are a, a good team. Obviously, they lost Timo Werner to Chelsea, uh, who did nothing in, in, in the United-Chelsea game. But Leipzig, a good team, a good manager, good setup. Uh, as much as they're they're not at all a real club, and you'd think that we'll have to be a bit braver and maybe more inventive to beat them and to perform better than we did against Chelsea. Yeah, I think you'd want us to want to see us be a little bit braver in general in the big games that are coming up in the next couple of weeks, and we have Arsenal and Everton coming up as well, as well as Basaksha here in the next couple of match days of the Champions League. You want us to see a little bit braver. The PSG game, as great as it was, that is that isn't really you know, the model that we want to be following for all these games, you know, PSG are such a good side that they sort of necessitate being quite defensive and maybe change into five at the back. The, the other games coming up in the, in this run of difficult fixtures will be much more similar to the Chelsea game in terms of the level of opposition that we face and how we set up. So yeah, I think you do want to see us be a little bit braver as good as we were defensively. We also were a, li- a little cautious, not, not, and I don't, I don't mean that in a bad way that we necessarily set up in the wrong way. But we were definitely, you know, a little more cautious than we otherwise would have been. And I think the fact that McTominay and Fred played in midfield over, you know, Matic and Pogba was the perfect example of that. I think for for me, the big thing going forward would just be, I want to see us be a bit more creative. When, you know, the PSG game, we created a lot of chances and a lot of that was down to some very good play, but also the fact that PSG, we were often going on the counter-attack and so things were a bit disorganised at the back. But I think so far this season, we haven't yet seen us break down a team that is playing quite defensively like we did at the end of last season and after lockdown. You know, think back to the, the Brighton and Aston Villa games. We we were ripping teams open for fun and we, we just haven't really yeah. seen that yet. And I, I don't expect that level necessarily to be there every week. But I do want to see us get a little bit better at breaking teams down because it's something that we've struggled with so far this season. Yeah. And I think the answer might be on the bench with Donny van der Beek, who didn't yeah. get any minutes against Chelsea. He had played, I think, in every game of the season, as in off the bench. 
before that since he joined United. No Premier League starts yet and, and maybe a, a chance for him to get Solskjaer told fans and reporters not to worry about Donny van der Beek when he was asked about it after the game. Um, but yeah, he, he could come in. Um, I think United should be playing five at the back again, a, a similar team to PSG. Leipzig are, are, are strong on the wings. And I think that double pivot of, of Shaw that you referenced earlier, Shaw at left centre-back and Alex Tellers at left yeah. wing-back would be really good. Tellers gives you a bit more creativity as well. And I thought, yeah, I thought he, he was great. I'm excited to see him a bit more. I do think Shaw in that left centre-back role works really well. And then yeah. it, provide, it gives Tellers the licence to go forward and use his quality and maybe exactly, yeah. not that he doesn't have to worry about defending, but we're not reliant on him as the only wide defender. Yeah, and he's yeah. I mean, his set pieces, his his crosses are. I think most of United's crosses without him are those floated ones that allow the defense to to kind of recover and, and get some time, and then the attacker yeah. has to get a lot of power onto it. But Tellers is uh, kind of the the whip to low ones that get in quickly and, and give yeah. the defender a chance just to kind of glance it into the uh, into the net um, exactly like Neymar's corner that Martial scored the own goal yeah yeah. Tellers again Wan-Bissaka and, and Twanzebe I'd be very happy with and yeah I think then how do you fit Van der Beek into that team well I th- it's, it's a difficult one because if you go going McTominay Fred again Pogba could be useful you'd expect Martial to start the, the one thing I was going to say with Cavani earlier actually um, but I forgot to mention when we were talking about him is if he's going to play I don't think that Fred McTominay midfield works yeah, because neither of them are good enough to find his on the shoulder of the defender runs. And he he made them a lot of times. Um, I think Rashford had this problem in the past as well when he was playing with Fred McTominay that he, he just can't be found. And in that case, then I think you need Pogba to play further back or, or maybe Van der Beek to, to play fair. further back and be that person that can find the the run that Cavani's making. Um, but yeah, more, more tough starting 11 decisions. But... I mean, I mean, we say it's a good thing when we've got a settled starting eleven. We say it's a good thing when we've got a selection headache. So um, maybe we're just eternal optimists. <laughs> no, I mean, I think it is good to, I think, have competition for places, especially because now it's not, I think in the past, it's not always good when you have competition for places and the, the competition is who will be the least bad in, in this role, which is definitely the case that United have been in the past. I think now we're in a much stronger position in that we have a bit more leeway and a bit more quality to choose from. And and we can actually choose our best lineup, knowing that anyone that comes in should do a a good job. I do think Van der Beek needs to play. I think that's a really big priority. I I don't, I think he should have started against Chelsea over Dan James. And I think against Leipzig is the perfect opportunity to give him a chance. Everything he's done in, in a United shirt so far has been good. He's shown his quality. He just hasn't hasn't been given any opportunity. I think he, he must have played about what? I don't know, has he played 90 minutes total yet? I don't he probably hasn't. He's honestly been coming on. Oh, well, he played once in the he played in the League Cup, didn't he? Yeah. In the Premier League, I don't he wouldn't have been uh got more than probably 80 80 minutes yet. So he, he does deserve his chance. He's proven that he can be of you know really good service to us. I'd be excited to see him and Fernandez play together. We mentioned this on the last episode. Then the Newcastle game, they looked really, really fun to watch together. And I'd be interested yeah. to see him play. And if we do go five at the back, then, you know, maybe we can play sort of a, a Fernandes in almost like a false nine role behind a sort of Cavani or uh, Martial. And then maybe one of Martial and Rashford drops to the bench to, to give him a chance. I don't know. I honestly don't know. It, it, it's difficult yeah. one for Solskjaer. 
it's a good selection headache to have, but I do think the Van der Beek deserves a chance. Yeah, agreed. Um, we're going to wrap things up for the normal show in just a second and then go to our Patreon Q&A. If you want to become a patron, help support the podcast and get exclusive bonus content, such as the bonus Q&A at the end of every episode, then you can go to our Twitter at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P-O-D at the end there. And there'll be a link there to follow. And you can sign up for, I think, as little as about 38p a week. and might be one or two pennies off in that estimation, but it's about that much. And help support the podcast. Arsenal after Leipzig, Jack, I think it's how confident we are depends on how we do against Leipzig, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it does. Arsenal are a weird team at the moment because Arteta's got them set up, you know, just very defensively. It's very un-Arsenal like, but yeah. the quality going forward is still there with Aubameyang. And I think Thomas Partey was a great signing. I've mentioned him yeah. <laughs> at United before. Um, I think, yeah, it, it, it does massively depend on on what happens in the, in the Le- Leipzig game, to be honest, how we both how we approach the game and how confident we are going into it. I'm always out of out of the big games. I'm always most confident against Arsenal just just because yeah. of our recent record against them, you know. Um, although that has been getting slightly worse in, in recent years. But I think, yeah, I'm definitely more confident for that one. And even though they have been better defensively recently, I think you'd still back our attacking players to give them a few nightmares. Yeah, you'd have to hope so. Aubameyang's not in great form. Um or he's, I mean, he's still playing well, but he's not. Um, I've watched quite a lot of Arsenal because I'm living with loads of Arsenal fans. I think, yeah, to be fair, the, the Arsenal game could be one. I mentioned this last week about how much Burn Leno parries it into the into the path of attackers. That could be a game for Van der Beek, who's, yeah. um, whose first goal for United came from a rebound. And yeah, might be a nice idea to have him as kind of a shadow striker following up on those rebounds because Rashford's always shooting from outside the box. Um, and then have Van der Beek following in. Maybe. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully not another nil-nil. Although with Arsenal's current defensive setup, perhaps it's, um, perhaps it's possible. Yeah. Uh, right, we'll wrap things up there. Uh, we're going to go to our Patreon Q&A. But thank you for listening to the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. As always, for more from Jack throughout the week, you can find him on Twitter at... At UTD Tate, T-A-I-T. And you can find me on Twitter at HarryRobinson64. And as I say, the podcast itself at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P-O-D at the end there. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.